Attention audience. That's right. End of the week. We know what day it is. It is. <gasps> it's Friday. Friday. Friday films. Da -da -da. Never fails. Never anyway, fails. that's right. Friday films. We're back. Still bonding reviews. Still going strong. Not as strong with this movie, in our opinion, but still a good movie. Don't get us wrong. There is no, no. bad Bond movie. Here's what I've learned from the Roger Moore film so far is high highs and low lows. Although like last, I think this one had both. This one had both. Yes. But like last week, the spy who loved me ending up at number three on our list. Yeah, that was a high you know, high. That was a really good. That one. was a very high high. This movie, spoiler alert, I don't think it's going to end up at number three on our list. <laughs> no, no. Although there are really good things about this movie, this will be a lower Bond movie. Doesn't mean you guys should stop listening now because we have some very interesting things to get into with this movie. I'm still excited to uh, let's oh. talk about it. Oh, I guess before we get into it, who are we, Jordan? Oh, this is Eric and Jordan. <laughs> Obviously from Hoodoo, because, you know, who else would you listen to? Uh, but the movie that we're doing this week is Moonraker. Because I know there was some confusion last week where they changed the order on the movies. Um, yes. So this week is Moonraker, which they snuck in on us instead of your eyes only. Yep, to capitalize on the sci-fi sci -fi films that were being released around the same time. Yeah. Speaking of which, why don't you go ahead and do the intro uh, of the movie, Eric? I know you had um, some stuff you talked about at the end of last movie as far as you know the sci-fi-ness and the, um, the budget and all the other fun jazz. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moonraker, released June 29th, 1979. So this will be the last Bond movie of the 70s Bond movies, starting which next you, week. I, I yes. was going to say, you start noticing it in the, the visual like change, yeah. a little shift. I haven't yep. seen it in the movies. Yeah, starting next week, we'll be we'll be in the 80s. And I think we'll probably see, based on my memory, whenever we get there, I think the 80s Bond movies, Bond movies will see a much larger transition through the 80s films than we've seen yet. If I remember correctly, mm -hmm. we'll have to see what it, we'll have to see when we get there. Um, well, even in the last, like, two or three movies, I've noticed a big jump from, like, the end of Sean oh, Connery yeah. to Roger Moore. I've seen a huge jump in the... Obviously, the technical this, side of things, like yeah, like the equipment yeah. and um, upgrades and stuff like that, where the, mm -hmm. the production of the movie has obviously increased, which I know you'll get into with the money and all that. But oh, just yeah. the transition from the older style of movie filming making to this style of filmmaking, there's a big change in just the last few movies. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Runtime of two hours and six minutes, so pretty much on par. You know, most Bond movies run about two hours, with the exception exception of again for on her majesty's secret service which was like two and a half hours um good Whole film but long movie didn't need yeah yeah didn't need that extra half hour um but good movie overall though. it was still pretty good yep. uh directed once again by lewis gilbert um i believe this is his last bond movie i don't think he i don't think he does another one i think this is his last one we switch over to another director with um for your eyes only next week um starring yet again sir roger moore Louis Childs, um, or excuse me, Lois Childs, and Michael Lonsdale. A budget of a whopping $34 million. Wow. Last, the last movie was $14 million, and that was, what, almost $6 million higher than any Bond movie before. And yeah. this one almost literally doubled. almost well, tripled I, last week's. Yeah, yeah. 14 years old. 
almost triples the spy who loves me but who loved me budget um freaking insane i mean but you can see it though i mean this one's a space themed bond they've got the the special effects all over the place and whatnot yeah. i mean you can see where the money was spent but it's still despite spending more money didn't make it a better movie <laughs> no unfortunately it's funny how that works that people can make amazing really good movies with next to no budget but those mm -hmm. who have an unlimited budget can't always make good movies yeah yeah i'll dig into it and i'll dig I'm, i'll dig into it again in trivia time but if i if i remember correctly this movie's budget is more than the first eight movies eight bond movies combined just this one movie is a higher budget than the, the first eight movies combined. Uh, yeah, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, with that said, you ready to roll on into it? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much start with the uh, the classic gun open scene, which, by the way, Eric, I know we've asked this multiple times, but this one was in color. Was it in color? <laughs> it I was in that. color. I missed it, Jordan. I didn't realize it was in color again. <laughs> it was. And actually, one of the things that I enjoyed about it, because I know it's just a gun scene, but it was normal Bond music in this movie. It was. I yeah, did was... like that. I It started off with a, man, this movie's going to be so much better than the last one. And my hopes got... We'll talk about that Sadly later. Sadly shattered. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we start on an airplane. That's right. That's right. Um, we cut to the Moonraker shuttle atop a large, I don't know, 747, big carrier plane, something. It was a big I don't airplane. Know. I don't know my planes. It was a big plane. It was a big airplane. Um, passing over England, two guys come out of hiding in the shuttle bay. One of them happens to look like Jesse Eisenberg, in my opinion. Um, an older Jesse Eisenberg, but Jesse Eisenberg nonetheless. <laughs> I made a special note of that. I had to double take and think of what year did Jesse Eisenberg, what, what year was he was born? Okay, no, yes, this movie was around before he was born. Um, uh, hiding funny. in the I, shuttle. I was confused ahead. at first that they were actually in the shuttle. I'm like, all right, these guys are like, are they going to take out the airplane pilots? And then it, like, it took me a second. I'm like, oh, no, they're on the other shuttle. Okay. Yeah, the space stuff in the background didn't cue you off, Jordan. <laughs> Not right away because I wasn't sure. Like, I thought it was just an empty shuttle. And then, like, yeah. the plane was like a military disguised plane. So that was like stuff like in a back mm. room of the airplane. Yeah. Like, I thought they were hiding the airplane to take over the airplane because the shuttle was on top of the airplane. I didn't realize that they were hitting on the shuttle. No. They cut, the out, airplane. they cut out the middleman entirely. Yeah. Activate the shuttle and take it off from the top of the plane, destroying <laughs> the plane in process. Yeah. Um, pretty cool scene. I'm not gonna lie. When it was when they when they took off the shuttle and and wiped out the plane, I was kind of I was like, damn. All right. Yeah. Cool. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was kind of good too. I was like, man. Okay. That's a that's a good good start to this movie. So far, I'm impressed. Yep, yep. And it goes downhill from here, sir. Yep, because uh, <laughs> I, I, I know it's M on the red phone again. The classic red phone, Still man. Still wish we, they would change the colors. Yeah, we cut to M on the phone with the Prime Minister um, talking about the incident. Uh, M gets off the phone and proceeds to ask Money Penny if Bond is back from his mission. Money Penny replies with, I believe he's on his last leg, sir. Which was great. And then we cut great. right to Bond rubbing up the leg of a lady on a, on a, on a, on a private jet. She proceeds to pull a gun on him and her and the pilot or the pilot comes out and we, we figure out this was a whole ploy. You know, this is Bond finishing up his last mission. Pilot comes out and destroys the controls on the plane, preparing to leave Bond for dead, but not before Bond does what Bond does best and starts a fight in the middle of an unnecessary situation, throwing the pilot out. 
But right as the pilot's thrown out and Bond's trying to figure out what he wants to do next to get off this crashing aircraft, Bond is pushed from behind by none other than... Jaws. Dun, dun, dun. Which... I was so happy to see him back in this movie again. Yes. This intro was very good in my opinion. Agreed. Up Agreed. until the opening credits. I, I will yeah. I will say up to then I was excited for this movie and happy. Part of the Agreed. highs of this movie. Part of the highs of this movie. Is is the pre-credits, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, there's some other highs throughout the movie too. But this movie, like we said before, is a roller coaster. There are highs and lows both in this movie. These are the highs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Bond gets pushed out of the plane by Jaws, and we begin a skydive shot. Props to the shooting in this. I like that a lot of it, it, yes. it was all done practical. It seems like, the, I mean, they were really free-falling. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Bond goes down and steals the pilot's parachute, but Jaws is hot on his heels. Uh, Jaws, you know, Jaws jumps down, grabs grabs Bond, or is going to grab Bond, and right before Jaws gets to him, Bond pulls his parachute shooting himself up above jaws jaws proceeds to pull his own shoot and lo and behold it doesn't work so jaws proceeds to fall into a circus tent from thousands of feet in the air (laughs) from this point on i i was uh very interested when he gets this spoiler alert jaws is dead jaws falls into the circus tent no man can survive falling from thousands of feet in the air right right that's we'll just go we with that. Assume. Let's just go. We'll with just it. assume that uh, because that's, it cuts to the opening credits, and that's all you, you really see from then on out. Uh, you don't see what happens after that. But real quick, I, I thought was pretty clever. I mean, granted, I know we have a huge budget. There was a few things I noticed in the opening scenes that uh, weren't really. I mean, granted, it's older technology. So it's kind of hard to like. Um, cut out some of these things, but like there's a scene right before Bond gets thrown out of the plane where you could you literally see like the harness and all that just holding them into the plane, like they didn't oh, even bother yeah, you, yeah. like a little stuff like that. I mean, granted, like, I know with like that, the, that time the, frame and technology, yeah, and like the free the, the the free fall scenes where you got the 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 stunt man who's portraying Bond, you could see like the back of his suit had like a split in it where where the the hidden parachute would come out. Yeah, well, that's so that they're not really um, dying. You know, there was a scene where it cuts to to Bond, whether it be Bond or the stunt. I don't remember, but he had goggles on, and the next scene he doesn't. Like it was a mm-hmm. real quick, like you had to catch it. But I'm like, all right, um, and I know the pilot that Bond takes the parachute away. When you take the parachute, you can definitely tell he's got another parachute underneath his coat yeah, because it's yeah. like his back's like you know coats so far off of his back it's not mm-hmm. funny but like little things like that but granted for that time frame of editing and all i thought they still did a really good job yeah. with all that scene so i agree there so um, then we go into the intro scene and i won't linger on this because i didn't really I, like it i, didn't I thought like it was it i thought no. it was very boring i mean this is my this is along with on her Majesty's secret service this is my least favorite intro scene uh, scene i believe mm-hmm. um uh, and Most definitely. I mean, it was it was it was boring. There was there was really nothing u- u- unique yeah. with it. Uh, the song, while the song was a good song, and, it was a decent and, song. Yeah, it was it was a good song, but I don't think it was a good Bond song. No, you know. Um, yeah, so, I, I wasn't impressed. My notes literally just did the classic, you know, silhouette, smoke, pictures of space and the moon. Um, stuff like that were thrown into it, but uh, all in all, I wasn't impressed with it. I didn't like the transition from the circus to that. Uh, I didn't because I mean the circus and all that was kind of pointless. I mean, granted, I yeah, it, I assumed it had something to do with you know 
implying because Jaws was tall and stuff that he deserved to be in a circus. Like I, I don't even know what they <laughs> were trying to say. But, like that was the only thing I could think of when I'm like, well, why would he fall into the top of a giant circus? Like it, it makes no sense. Yeah. He could have just fell into an open body of water or something else. Like it just didn't make yeah. no sense to me. But from here, we cut to Bond arriving at a meeting with M, Q, and the Prime Minister. Bond Which, is to. Yes. I was gonna say when he when he first says hi to Money Penny. I love his little, little like um, the little take between him and Money Penny, both in this scene and later on in the movie, where he explains what happens to him, and she just thinks he's messing with her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, why are you so late? Well, I fell out of a plane without a parachute. Ah, that's funny. You yeah. don't believe me, do you? <laughs> Never mind. I'm walking in. Yeah. Like, don't worry I about thought it. that was cool. Nothing else. <laughs> um, but Bond is tasked with the mission to recover the missing shuttle. They don't believe that it was destroyed with the plane. The official story is the shuttle went down with the plane. But upon further investigation of the crash site, there's no evidence of the shuttle uh, shuttle parts being there. So Bond, you know, they immediately jump to a, a midair hijacking. Um, so they basically nail exactly what happened based mm. on <laughs> just a picture. Um, yeah, but there's bo- no parts of the moon wrecker here, yeah. so therefore it was not destroyed. Yeah. But Bond is, Bond is set to recover the missing shuttle and sent to California to investigate Drax Industries, the maker of the shuttle. Um, during the scene, also, Q gives Bond his first gadget of the movie and his primary gadget in this film, which is the wrist dart gun. Which I kind of like. I thought it was kind of cool. If I remember correctly, it is the red darts is poison that'll kill him in 30 seconds, and the blue darts is like just knocking explosives him out. Explosives or something? Or something like that. Mini yeah. explosives. I don't remember exactly what we said. It. I didn't take notes. I figured it'd be, you know, impl- implied throughout the movie. I just, it's not. I, no, <laughs> no. It's not. I mean, he uses it a handful of, to- uh, yeah. handful of times, but. Yeah, still. but every time he uses it, nobody dies. It's, so he obviously doesn't use the poison. No. Well, I don't think he uses the explosive ones either, whatever exactly. the other ones were. Yeah, I don't but, know. Uh, either no, way. one might have been Tranks. Possibly. I don't remember. Um, either way, from here, Bond arrives in good old California, USA, and is picked up by a helicopter of Drax Industries, flown by, I don't remember this this character's name. Um, I don't. I just kept on calling her a helicopter pilot because yeah. I know she makes a couple appearances. Really like this character, but she will not be around long enough to to remember. No, um, he has taken to Drax property, the Drax property and mansion while given the tour. You know, Drax has his own space. You know, his own astronauts being trained. He's Pretty got much his has own, like his own small state. Yeah. Obviously, this dude's into space. I mean, he does. He got a, a huge research facility and everything. Uh, Bond proceeds to meet with Drax. Drax feeds his dogs really fresh meat and the dogs just don't seem very interested in the meat at the moment. Mm -hmm. So they have a little conversation back and forth and Drax makes some line about, you know, having control, this, that, the other thing, snaps his fingers and the dogs immediately proceed to eat. showing that these are just some incredibly well-trained dogs. Foreshadowing, this will come into play later. Yes. (laughs) Bond leaves and Drax gives the order to his henchmen to make sure Mr. Bond finds harm come his way or something like that right yeah yeah he just says make sure harm comes his way is the way he says yes. it so he doesn't necessarily mm. say kill bond he it almost implies like i don't want him in my business to so make sure he's just kind of injured and kind of you know pushed back or like sent on a different path type deal like more like a tactic of scare him or hurt him so that he can't yeah. continue his mission is so the way it was implied to me from the get-go we know this is the bad guy 
Yes. So literally the first five minutes in the movie, we know who the bad guy is. We know something's going up. We know he knows who Bond is, and we know he's going to be trying to kill Bond the whole movie, which is kind of unique for most other Bond films. They usually don't meet until a little while later on. Yes, uh, but I, I like that aspect because it was like at first Drax was not the enemy. He was just, you know, the maker of the Mooncraft. So this is where yeah. Bond was to start his investigation. And yes. then you're like, oh, hey, guess what? This is the bad guy. Bond essentially starts where he finishes. Exactly. what happens. It's an easy um, mission, you would think. Then Bond proceeds to meet with Dr. Goodhead. <laughs> Yet yes. another wonderful wonderful bond <laughs> female sexual pun name yeah <laughs> dr goodhead uh who gives him a tour uh and bond tests the what's it's not the gyrosphere it's the uh no i put um because uh, i knew it wasn't correct but I, I couldn't remember what they said and i didn't feel like rewinding it so i just jotted something down uh Anyway, the thing that goes spinny, spinny, spinny yeah. that, that, that provides the... center the, I call it a centrifuge. But I don't centrifuge, yeah. It is yeah, that, that's okay. It, yeah. The centrifuge. So um, <clears throat> Bond proceeds to test out the centrifuge, which astronauts use to train to prepare for the high G load. Um, the doctor's called away, and henchman A, I named him, um, a, a, a nice Asian gentleman with a pretty epic mustache, yes. uh, takes over controls, activating the, gyro, or activating the centrifuge, um, and cranks this bad boy up so bond boys in the bond is in the middle of this centrifuge and he hits seven g's before trying to use the shutdown switch and it doesn't work now if i remember correctly three was like an old person could do it seven g's was kind of like seven g's is where most people pass out that's what it was and then 12 up was fatal or something like that yeah yeah okay um, so they hit seven G's before before Bond attempts to use the shutdown switch and it doesn't work. Bond hangs on, hangs on, almost passing out. Really good scene. I like the um, the the acting and like the looks on on Roger Moore's face during yes. this. Yes, but yeah, uh, yeah, Bond all the way hits up the end too. thirteen G's before using his wrist-mounted dart gun to break the machine, causing yep. it to stop. Um, Bond gets out. The doctor's like, you know, I don't know what happened. Blah, 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 blah. And then Bond glances up and sees the henchman in the control booth walk, walking away. Which I, I, I agree. Like when Roger Mornall gets out of the, uh, the little cockpit area thing, the, he had that real good, like, drained visual look yeah. to him. Like he, he was pretty good in that scene. He was kind of like, how am I still standing yeah. after this? I need- Let alone I'm Bond, so I have to see the henchman yeah. leave. And so I know... <laughs> Even though I think my brains are scrambled at the moment, <laughs> his despite his brain brain being scrambled, scramble, despite his brain Time being twister. scrambled, Bond proceeds to meet with the helicopter helicopter pilot. Pilot, God, I cannot speak today. <laughs> the helicopter pilot that brought him to the facility and asked her questions about Drax Industries, um, in a very seductive way, to the point that it leads, like all good Bond films, to Whoopi. Yeah, yeah. I, my notes literally said Bond sleeps yes. with helicopter pilot for info. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly what happens. Uh, in the middle of the night, Bond gets up and investigates Drax's office and breaks into the safe. The helicopter helicopter pilot's there with him, and she seems to be kind of along for the ride. Um, he breaks into yeah. his safe using a really awesome cigarette case X-ray hacker machine. Yeah, I thought <clears> that was pretty neat. That was like gadget number two, but I like that one. 
Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, proceeds to take pictures of the documents from within. And I like his little mini camera on the end of it. The it's 007. Like 007. Yeah, and yeah. The, the lens was like the middle uh, zero. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was really cool. I made note of um, that. And I liked how the helicopter pilot, Yeah, you couldn't really tell what was going on, even though, like you said, she was along for the ride. It was kind of like she wanted to help, but at the same time, she didn't. Yeah, um, she was torn. She was just, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I liked how she went along with it. She was like, oh, what are you doing? All right, cool. I'm not going to go run and tell, you know, yell for help or anything. But I'm not sure exactly what you're doing and if I want to be involved in it. But kind of yeah. jokes around with it, too. Like, when he held the <clears throat> little x-ray thing up to her heart, he's like, oh, look, a heart of gold. She's yeah. like, yeah, 17 carats. Yep. <laughs> or something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, cool. I kind of like it a little more now. But when they leave the room, it's revealed that Henchman A was hiding the whole time and Saul Bond and the girl working together. Then we cut... To a scene of pheasant hunting. Yes, I, I might have said duck hunting. I know yes. they're not ducks, but I literally thought of the old duck hunting game when I there saw this There you go. Scene. There was so even a dog why. in the background who laughed at you the whole time. Yes, he was. That's why I was like <laughs> duck hunting. Bond arrives to say goodbye <clears throat> to Drax and thank him for his hospitality. Um, Drax, knowing of the events of the previous night, sets a sniper up into, up into the trees and convinces Bond to take a couple shots. You know, Bond doesn't really want to, but he's like, okay. So pheasants like fly, and game. Bond lines up his shot, follows it across the skyline, shoots, and allegedly misses. Yes. But upon further investigation, it reveals that he shot the sniper, and it fell out of the tree. There's some <laughs> fun quip thing that happens, and then Bond hands his gun back to, to Drax and walks away. Well, it's because uh, Drax says... Um or originally Bond was like, yeah, I'm not good with pheasant hunting or something like that. Or he's a poor sport or something about it. I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says something about like he's not good at it. So um, when he takes the shot and Drax is like, well, I guess you're not good at it because you didn't hit to your target. And then the guy falls out of the tree and Bond goes, oh, I didn't. And then yes. hands the gun back and says, like, thanks again and walks away. Yep. And Drax Just is like, lets it go. son of a... Um, upon Bond leaving, the sexy time helicopter pilot from earlier arrives and Drax proceeds to fire her for being being with Bond the night before mm -hmm. um, and, ask, and, and tells her to leave, but not before setting loose his loyal, loyal hounds on her. Um, now, this scene, uh, I want to get into a little bit when, when you're done, but I, I did enjoy the scene. The, all this, the, the yeah, in my notes, cool chase scene of her running through the woods away from the dog before they yes. take her ass down like a gazelle. Yes. Yes. The, the, the both audio and visually throughout the scene was one of the highs, in my opinion, of this whole movie. I really liked the way they did the camera mm -hmm. angles, like through the trees with the lighting and the way the dogs were like jumping right at the very end when they attacked her. Um, the audio score for this whole oh, yeah. little scene was, was <clears throat> awesome. Again, one of the few highs of this movie. Uh, yeah, it reminded that, me a lot of like a horror movie chase scene. Yes, yes, I was going to say that. Yeah. It, it, that. But the other thing that didn't make sense to me, and granted this might be that horror chase scene feel, is she came in on the golf cart and proceeds to run through the woods while dogs are chasing her. Why wouldn't you just get on the golf cart and take the golf cart? Well, because she was fired. She's not allowed to use the golf cart anymore. <laughs> dogs are chasing you do you really worry about that kind of thing i mean <laughs> i figured they were just going with that horror theme of oh no someone's after me quick let's do something stupid and run in a <clears throat> direction we don't know if we'll let's ever make, make it the dumbest decision ever yeah yeah what's um, that? Like that one commercial you know if you're in a horror movie you don't make the best of choices yes <laughs> let's hide behind the wall of chainsaws <laughs> anyway 
Um, but not gonna lie, I was kind of surprised at this because I thought she was gonna she was the you know gonna be one of the main Bond Bond girls. Yeah, I, I really liked her character, especially up to this point. Yeah, but she she goes really really quickly. Um, so from here, Bond arrives in Venice, Italy, to investigate Venini, the Venini Glass Company, which is something he got from one of the pictures. In the exactly. Set. Yep. Yep. Uh, and based on the conversation with Drax, the components for their machines or their their shuttles are, are gathered from all across the 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 world. Mm-hmm. So Bond is comparing comparing glasses and stuff that he's finding to see if it matches the the plans that he he, he found in the safe. Um, and it comes across a little tour session going on with this nice covering which, this nice vase and this glass sword and things which that I these artisans have made. Um, um, I, I like the scene because this is like one of my info scenes. You know how we have this little like background information <laughs> of the random objects that Jordan's are found tour guiding through Venice. Yeah, this is this is tour, well not just Venice, but this is like one of the scenes. You know the yeah. the sword was you know specially crafted for um, I don't know some old high up person whenever yeah. that was made it was like one of the first glass swords made or something like that and then they had this really cool glass bowl that was like super expensive if you tried to sell it to the market and all but it had alarms like so when you million dollars if it was yeah. on market or something like that yeah. but as soon as you picked it up the alarm went off so they put it back yeah. down um which i thought was funny because granted i know the times are a little different but the, the alarm was literally just an audible alarm it's not like yeah. The doors went on lockdown mode and people came running. It was just like, hey, don't touch me. Put it back. Okay. Exactly. It wasn't like, you know, uh, Indiana Jones where it's like. Put it back down. <gasps> yeah. Um, uh, but I, I liked the little tour and the little little behind mm-hmm. the scenes type things. But there was someone in this tour that caught Bond's um, eye, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. Bond notices Mr. or Dr. Not Mr. That'd be awkward. Dr. Goodhead again. Through, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't realize that was her until a little bit later on while he was oh, following yeah. around. I'm like, oh, that's who it was. <laughs> I was like, I wonder through who this group. is. Um, he proceeds to catch up with her invites her, and invites her out out for a drink that night. And then just hops on his little gondola, gondola and leaves. I um, love, uh, love the boats well, in Venice. Yep. While Bond is having a nice relaxing gondola ride through the through the channels and channels of of Venice, Italy, nice Italian song playing in the background. A funeral boat seems to cut a, you know, come come around the corner. Just a little funeral along. procession in, 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 in progress. And as it approaches Bond and gets closer and closer to him, the casket on top opens up and a man with a lot of knives in that casket <laughs> yeah. attempts to assassinate Bond by throwing knives at him. Knives at him. But Bond reacts. God, I cannot speak today. But Bond, Bond retaliates. Catches. Yeah. Bond retaliates and throws the knives back, killing the man, and he falls back into his boat. Uh, Bond flips a switch and turns his gondola from gondola to speedboat. Yeah, and remote style. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are in boat chase mode. Yes. We are so in full-blown boat chase mode. We've had a skydiving chase scene and fight scene, and now we're in boat chase scene. Absolutely. So we've got, we're in full-blown boat chase mode right here. Bond's going in and out of the tunnels, dodging other craft, whatnot. Um, there was a, a neat like <clears throat> first person type scene with uh, the enemies chasing the like the one boat that had the gunner on the front and it kind of did like a first person mm-hmm. view that was kind of like you saw the guy holding the gun it was kind of like right over his shoulder kind of yeah I thought that was a neat scene while they were like chasing around the the buildings yep so pretty t- she- neat shots but Bond loses them just long enough to convert his gondola into hovercraft mode yes ladies and yes. gentlemen hovercraft mode. 
leaving leaving the the, the channels behind, going on shore where a, a man drinking wine double takes at the situation, a couple uh, of as here. as you would, and it seems to be such a shocking moment that even a pigeon. <laughs> has to make a double take. The pigeon's like, whoa, 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 what? A boat with, that Why? drives on land? What? Um, Again, they love They love scaring gadget. animals in these movies. Because <laughs> in the last movie, there was the dog that hauled ass when the, when the, when the, when the sub came. Yeah. 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 Man, they love startling animals in these movies. I'll tell you what. It was... There was a, and I don't remember what scene it was because I think it's a little later on. But there's a scene where Bond walks in. Oh no, it's later on in the movie. There's a, a scene where Bond walks into a room and then just like a cat comes running by. It. And the first thing I thought of was like, it hey, was that Blowfield's cat from the yeah, other yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. They, they do do that. Um, um, the henchman pursuers catch up to him, but realize he's on land. They become frustrated, whipping the boat around really quickly, and one of them falls into the water. Completely unceremoniously and unnecessarily. <laughs> that whole scene was unnecessary. The, granted, <sighs> the hoverboat gadget was cool, but unnecessary. That yeah, whole scene yeah. of him going through town and everyone just staring and like what? Like that was it was just overkill. That was that, that was scene, a low. That to scene me. for me was the equivalent of Sean Connery driving the moon cart across the desert. In, <laughs> yes, in Diamonds Are Forever. Yes, um, completely pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, then we cut to Bond sneaking back to the uh, Vanini, Vanini Glass establishment, mm-hmm. finding, a, finding a secret lab. Sneaking into the lab while watching, by watching one of the scientists input the code on the pin pad. Yes. And what was that code, Jordan? Do you remember? Uh, I saw it and I could see it in my head. It was like one, two, I don't know. Well, I don't care about that. I just care about the tone. It was, oh, do, 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 do. Sounds about right. Which, if anyone recognizes it from my horrid single singing voice, is the exact same tone from Close Encounters of the Third Kind that they used to communicate with the alien species. I did um, not pick on, up on that. Yes. Granted, it's been forever since I've seen that movie. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a great film. Also, yes. it came out in 1977 when the last Bond movie did. Thus, yet again, justifying the reason they went with the space-themed Bond this time. Sci-fi was huge in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so Bond sneaks into this lab. Scientists are working on this thing. They're, they're putting these vials into this glass container, dropping it into this huge orb and kind of transporting around. When they go to transport one of the orbs, uh, one of the orbs, Bond goes in to try and investigate what's happening, takes one of the vials, and is trying to figure out how it works with the bomb when he hears them coming back in. So he just sets things down, runs back into his hiding spot. Keeping the one vial of he had. Keeping the one vial with him. The scientists continue and they try and move this next thing, dropping one of the vials that Bond had, had, had taken out. The vial breaks and a gas fills the room and kills them instantly. But not the rats. They were also in the room. Yes. The rats in the room were safe and sound. Bond proceeds to leave this establishment uh, and is surprised out of nowhere by Kindo Master Joseph P. Woodstick. Woodstick. I was going to say, I just called him Kendo from here on out. Yes. Kendo Master Joseph P. Woodstick, <laughs> a.k.a. Henchman A. from the beginning of the movie. Kendo Master Joseph P. Woodstick shows up out of nowhere and they fight. They fight. He's trying to beat Bond to death with his wooden kendo stick for some reason. Yes. Which was Logic. an interesting fight scene. 
Yes, and he is dressed in full kendo training gear. Like, I uh, don't know why. Why? Did he just get off practice and get the call? I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Who knows? He could have been at practice. You know, this is what he does in his downtime. This he, is he his hobby. Not, he you did know. not seem like a good henchman at all. No. I, I felt like he was a, a henchman in training this whole movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they get into a fight, and the fight scene is kind of cool. They proceed to destroy this entire glass museum. <laughs> yes, because they end up going back into the glass museum. If if there was anything glass, somebody was thrown through it. Yeah. If there was now, a table, it was broken. This whole museum was literally shattered is no other no better word to put than the I museum do, was shattered i do love like how bond picks up the glass sword and like uses it to like completely destroy his kendo stick and then like Instantly. fling it out of his hand <laughs> and then like i forget the guy like throws i know i think he picked up like a metal shield or something which ended up breaking the glass sword so he lost that and then look how bond goes and he picks up that super expensive glass bowl and he's like picking up the throat and the alarm's going off like me and he's like this is probably valuable. I should put it back down. And he puts it back down, which then the alarm goes off because it's weight sensitive, apparently. Absolutely. But then the kendo guy takes the, the shield, whatever metal piece he had, and completely destroys this bowl so that all that's left is the little base still sitting on the, the base stand. And the alarm doesn't go off. Yep. And I laughed so hard when I saw that scene. It's so <laughs> pointless, but so oh. funny. I couldn't stop laughing. And then, like you said, they, they proceed to destroy everything Destroy the entire glass museum. The, the room. At some point, they work their way upstairs, and lo and behold, we're in a clock, clock tower situation. Little little scuffle back and forth before Bond proceeds to throw Henchman A, a.k.a. Joseph P. Woodstick, Kendo Master Joseph yeah, P. Woodstick, out of the clock kendo. tower window. Um, I believe he makes some little quip here while the guy's falling. I don't remember what it is, though. Uh, he goes through the piano, and I think he um, says something about, like, play it again. Yeah. Because oh, they, yeah, they were doing, like, a yeah, song yeah. or something like that. And he's like, play it again, maestro, or something. I can't remember what he yeah. said. It was something like, play it again. Um, from here, we cut to Dr. Goodhead's hotel. Bond is waiting for her. They're having a little brief conversation back and forth while Bronze sauntering out of the room and finds all of her neat little gadgets and gizmos. It appears she, too, is a spy working for the CIA. Mm -hmm. um, made a special note in this scene in particular, but throughout the whole movie, of Roger Moore's starting to show his age in this movie. He looks old. He yeah, looks I can old. see it a little bit. Yeah, granted, I mean, he was 45 when he became Bond three yeah. movies ago, so... He's, he's, he's getting a little up there in age. Um, but after they find all the gadgets, they have a little conversation back and forth. They proceed to make Whoopi. Because as we all know, if you're a female spy and you're Bond, a male spy, and you're in the same room together, you're not allowed not to have sex. Apparently it's a Them's yeah, the rules. rule. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and Bond does his classic Bond move, move and leaves in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> Bond meets with him and the, and the minister to lead them to the lab. But lo and behold, when they get to the lab, nothing's there anymore. It's just an office with Drax waiting for them. There's a little conversation back and forth with Drax where the minister formally apologizes on behalf of England to Drax and tells him the old man's losing it. Take Bond off the case. Yes. Him <clears throat> and Bond have a brief conversation, a brief back and forth where him was like, listen, Bond, he says it, you know, I got to do it. But I think you could use a vacation anyway, so I'll approve two weeks two weeks leave for you. Where do you think you want to go? I've always wanted to go to Rio de Janeiro. 
I thought Sounds you would. Sounds like a good place. Yeah. Absolutely. Because apparently that's where the next part of the mission is. I don't remember them ever mentioning or seeing anything about Rio de Janeiro, but that's where we're going next. Um, I didn't quite jot any notes down, but when there was, if, oh, if I remember correctly, when Bond was fighting Kendo Woodstick or whatever you want to call him, I Joseph, think there was... Ma- Kendo Master Joseph P. Woodstick. P. Woodstick, okay. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, there was a, a crater to there, and um, also uh, Doctor Goodhead, the CIA agent, also had I think plane tickets. If I'm not mistaken, uh, okay. I didn't gotcha. catch what was written on them, but her bags were packed and she was ready to leave yes. um, before you know they spent the night together and so on. <clears throat> Heard. So, so, but between those two, I think also with the the crates and all that he spotted right before um, Woodstick dropped down on top of him in the clock tower. I think somewhere between there, there was a couple of clues okay. that kind of lead towards Rio. So I completely missed that. So in my opinion, we're going to Rio just to progress the plot of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it fits, point. yes. But I did um, like how Bond was prepared when M's like, you're not doing too good here, Bond. And Bond's like, well, before you take me off the case, here's this cool secret file that I had from this lab Absolutely. that supposedly was not there. And yes. M's like, so there was a lab. Yes. Like, yes. Have Q so, test this very carefully. Yeah. Bond leaves that leaves that vial with M for Q to test and analyze, saying, be careful, it is deadly. Um, then we cut to a brief conversation between Drax. He's on the phone with somebody looking for a new henchman, basically, because... Kendo master Joseph P. Woodstick just didn't cut it. Failed. Literally didn't cut it. Yeah. Um, so there's a brief conversation on the phone where they have, well, you know, if you can get him, absolutely. And the him that they are referring to is none other than Jaws himself, who yes. survived his thousand feet fall from, from a crashing airplane into a circus tent, probably landing on an elephant and, elephant and murdering it in the process. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, he didn't eat it. He always eats everything. He does. I do Jaws like arrives at the intro. airport and is headed to Rio as well. Walks through the metal detector and of course it goes off. Jaws proceeds to look at the agent and just smiles at him with metal teeth. And the agent's like, all right, you know, you can just go. You can go. You're kind of <laughs> yeah. creeping me out here. Just just move along, sir. Uh, <laughs> the look on that guy's face uh, when Jaws walked away just smiling like he always does was great. Absolutely. Uh, Bond arrives in Rio as well and is being followed. He arrives at the hotel and meets with the woman who the woman who was following him, following him, who is another fellow agent. They proceed to set up an investigation of a Drax warehouse nearby and um, then make Mansuela, I think her name was. Yes, yes. Yes. She's also not in it long, so I did not write down her name. <laughs> yeah, I, I did thinking that she would be since she was another fellow agent, but yeah, uh, yeah. um I also <clears throat> liked how he was like we need to sneak in there at nighttime she's like hey good luck with that that's not possible he's like well we've got to do it and then after their little night scene and they go to where they're supposed to sneak into there's a giant party going on yeah, yeah there's Working no sneaking their way in that through one. this this massive parade um <laughs> on their way to the warehouse uh bond proceeds to head into the warehouse and leaves the other agent outside to keep an eye on things the agent is distracted by people going in and out of the something cabana little cabana club or whatever yeah whatever and behind her coming up the alley comes a large costumed man approaches which was a clown that was funny and closer and closer 
And right before he strikes, he takes off his 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 mask and it's revealed it is Jaws. Surprise, surprise. He attempts to try and kill the agent, but gets caught up in a dance party instead. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I He starts dancing. Because I like uh-huh. how the crowd just like kind of comes around him and he like picks her up like, oh, I'm not trying to kill her. Yeah, we're just yeah, dancing. dancing. We're just dancing. Nothing and to see here. You know, you know the actor, I, I'm drawing a blank at his name. I'll get to it later. That, that plays Jaws is a massive, massive human being. Yes. The man is huge. But when he picks up this poor little girl, she looks like a doll in his <laughs> she arms. Does. She looks like a baby doll. It's crazy how big this man is. Um, I mean, I, dude, I'm 6'5", and if Jaws picked me up, I would feel like a baby in his arms. Yeah, you know? yeah he was super tall. <laughs> he's a massive human. He's not just tall. He's big. Yes. <laughs> There's a difference between tall and being tall and big. Um, but bon, or Jaws proceeds to try and kill her, but gets caught up in the dance party instead. Uh, at the last minute, Bond jumps from the roof, and we have a standoff between Bond and Jaws, a fight about to break out, two rivals from the last movie, you know, duking it out again. Mm-hmm. But yet another crowd comes by, separating Jaws and Bond and forcing Jaws to, to go down the alley with them. Um, <clears throat> then we have a little moment where all Bond found in the warehouse was this patch for Drax Air Freight, um, which looks very, very similar to one of the space, patch, space patches from the same mm. era. I think the next is, day, Manuela tells them about the uh, there's an airport that the Drax flies out yes, of. Yes, yes, there's an airport that Drax flies out of. Uh, the next day, Bond uses a telescope on a hillside overlook to investigate the airport and finds none other than Doctor Goodhead doing yes. the very same thing. Which I thought was a clever scene when Bond was kind of like using the telescope to follow the plane as the plane took off and was like mm-hmm. looking at the side of the plane and keeps following the plane and following the plane until he's paying completely right. And the next thing he sees is another person behind the same telescope Indeed. looking back at him. Indeed. And that that's how they reveal Goodhead, which I thought was a pretty clever scene. Oh, yeah. They have a brief back and forth, and they agree they, they agree that they neither one of them trust each other, but they should work together on this case and proceed to leave via cable car. But Jaws is there at the bottom of the cable car line and stops the gears of the cable car, bringing the car to a dead stop, and then proceeds to attempt numerous times to bite through <laughs> Wait, the cable. An- another... Not, I don't know if it'd be a high or low on my my list here, but this is another scene that I laugh so hard at. Watching Jaws play with this cable wheel, like it was so unnecessary, but at the same time there was some humor behind it. Like he's he is superhuman strength as Jaws is. He stops this entire cable car wheel from moving and stops them dead in their tracks. But then the thing kind of like inches a little bit. So it's like he goes to let go and it just so he like goes to try and grab it. And he's like, okay, that's good. And then like, he kind of <laughs> walks away and it like moves a, like a quick, like inch or so. So he stops and turns to look at it. Like, are you good? Are you good? I, no I don't matter know what's going how on here. strong your teeth are, you do not want to bite into a moving cable. Well, no, I, I get that. I, I do. <laughs> I, I definitely get it. But like his reaction to this wheel was kind of like almost like a, a cat with a toy that was like, are you yeah. going to move? Are you going to move? If I don't look at you, you're going to move now? Yeah. Oh, you moved. Yeah. You moved. Yeah. It was, I'm it gonna was get you. definitely it was, a comic relief moment is what yeah, it was. It was pointless, but it, it made me laugh so hard. Just like the glass bowl. Like these were like the little things in there. I'm like, there's no reason for this to be in here, but it's mm-hmm. funny. So I'll give you like a point each for that. That's all you yep. get. Um, 
But once Jaws finally is confident that the gears have stopped moving, he bites completely through the cable car and proceeds to shimmy along the cable to another car that is going up while the Bond and Goodhead car is, (laughs) pun intended, going down. (laughs) Again, no point in breaking that cable because it literally did nothing. Did nothing. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, down in the control center is who I can only assume is Jaws's partner, Shondo, that got thrown off the roof in the last movie. Looks like the same guy. Never mentions his name. Don't know if it is or isn't, but I'm going with Shondo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> He's back, and he activates the cable cars again. Um, the cars meet up, and a fight breaks out between Bond, Jaws, and Dr. Goodhead, during which Jaws is thrown down into the cable car and locked in. Doesn't stop him. Doesn't stop him. Um, they lock Jaws down in the cable car and proceed to zip line down using a chain. Shondo, however, speeds up the car and Jaws is pursuing them via cable car, chasing them down as they're zip lining, going faster and faster <laughs> Again, and faster. Does not make any sense. Any sense whatsoever. Great, it's a movie. I get minute, it. But... Yeah, at the last minute. Bond drops down, and Jaws' cable car crashes into the dock, the docking building, whatever they call the cable car building. Through buildings. the building. Through the building. And, of course, Jaws survives. He's there. He's battered. He's dusty. He's got an entire gear hanging over his neck. But he's okay. And approaches none other than a beautiful little pigtailed blonde woman That's who, helps, who helps Jaws stand up. And you see a connection in their eyes and that they've fallen for love at first sight. The music and the music plays. cue changes. And their eyes glisten at each other. Exactly. It's, I would not have been surprised if from this music cue and the transition, if the movie completely cut and for the rest of the film, we just followed Jaws on his various dates with this woman. And it became like <laughs> yeah, a lady a in the collage. tramp. Yeah, it became a lady in the tramp <clears throat> situation where you've got Jaws with his metal teeth and pigtail girl and they're slurping the same thing glasses, as spaghetti until yeah. they get closer and closer and closer. That's the movie I want to see. Yeah. That's I want to see what I got out of this scene. I want to see like a, when Harry met Sally only when jaws met the pigtailed girl, that's yes, what I want to see. And I literally, I, 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 in my notes, I just call her pigtails from here on out. It's yes. jaws and pigtails. <laughs> um, oh, very God, awkward this... moment, rather cute though, because it's nice seeing that a big man like him can be, can find his own love. This was another one of those high-low moments because the the gear made me laugh. The giant cable car fight scene was just thrown in there because we haven't had a cable car fight scene yet that I know of. Uh-huh. Um, was also pointless because in my head, I'm thinking, how does someone on a chain coming down a cable, how does the cable move faster than the chain? Like, it just doesn't make sense. The chain would pull, the, or the cable would pull the chain with them, so therefore both would move at the same speed. Like, it's it, none of it made logic, sense. Man. I know. So <laughs> I was just like, all right, go. whatever. I'm just going with it. This is a low. <laughs> this whole cable chase scene is so stupid. I mean, Jaws looks like a little dog with his head hanging out the window. Like, yeah, we're speeding up. I'm going to catch <laughs> I'm gonna it get now. Him. <laughs> I'm going to get him through the building he goes. It was a comic relief. I get it. I, I am happy when when jaws finds love yes like, i i like that that was like all right this doesn't need to be in this movie no, this is not a bond not. scene but yeah. i'm happy for jaws because yeah all jaws this guy's gone is, through is completely unnecessary but at the same time you, was cool. he's such a lovable lovable oath yeah oath you you like, want I'm him okay to find it. it i'm okay with it. 
Yeah, yeah. So, like, this whole thing made no sense. And, like, Bond jumped from I don't even know what story and just lands on, like, a little patch of grass. Yeah. Not even hurting himself. Like, they're completely fine. Oh, they're yeah. good. Yeah, him I like and, uh, all that. Him and Goodhead are down there uh, making out, preparing for Whoopi as emergency personnel arrive. And he says something <laughs> like, we're, oh, we're fine. Good. It's okay. And upon turning back to continue his makeout, Bond is knocked out by the emergency personnel, and him and Goodhead are taken. They're in the back of this ambulance, and Bond proceeds to, to break free using some very awkward sexual, tensual, sexual tensioning stares back and forth between him, <laughs> Goodhead, and the, the guard ambulance guy in the back. Very awkward back and forth. These like henchmen a, are horrible, too, because Bond escapes like a, way too easily. Really easily. But, yeah, I'm, I'm talking the eyes, man. Like, even Roger Moore was making some sexy eyes of this man. It was like, <laughs> yeah, well, was like hey, I yeah, think we were about good. to get our, our first Devil's Three-Way about to go on if it stayed a little bit longer it was a weird that would have been that would have been interesting um <laughs> but bond's break bond breaks free uh from the back of the ambulance throwing him and the man out on the gurney on the yeah, roll the away stretcher. yes but Goodhead is still trapped in there so bond proceeds to get up dust off his shoulders and walk up the mountain i loved the casual walk away like i was so excited for the next scene until i actually saw it like i <laughs> thought this was like it. yeah because yeah. i was like okay so the guy in the stretcher goes through some billboard and like i forget what it said on the billboard but it was some another little quirk like bond would normally say but bond just kind of stared and goes it was like okay. a british air a british hospital joke or something yeah so i was like it was perfect i was like it would be something that bond would say in a scenario like this but instead he just kind of nods at the board and like turns around and just casually walks up the hill and like awesome obviously goodhead's still stuck in the ambulance somewhere so instead of him running after it he's going to do the casual bomb thing and he's just going to be there when they show up because he just magically knows where they're going the typical bond stuff instead we switch to a whole nother movie again yes yeah we go i did not realize that roger moore did westerns um but apparently he does because we cue the music and cut to the good, the bad, and the Bond. As Bond rides up with two other random guys on horseback, dressed three, as Clint Eastwood. Three Amigo style. Out of nowhere. Either yeah. the, the music they're playing is even a Western yeah. theme. It was so out of left field. It was ridiculous. Just like the, the Jaws and Pigtail scene. Like the music they started playing was like this, like, oh, love. Yay. This is a love movie. Y'all. It had nothing to do with it. That was so just... weird. Um, but anyway, but of all places, I'm like expecting them with the scene to show up at like an old, uh, you know, saloon type deal. Instead, they show up at a monastery. Straight up, show up at a monastery um, where none other than Money Penny and Q are, are 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 waiting for them to have another meeting with M to touch base or, or whatever it may be. Um, but not before we have a walk through the courtyard of the monastery where there are various in classic Q fashion devices and things being exploded in the background, which brings us to Q gadget time. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 10th episode of Q time, right? Sure. (laughs) Sure. Correct me if in the what, comments if I'm that, wrong. I don't know if that's correct because there was one movie that Q wasn't in it at all. You're correct. Either way, welcome to the insert number here episode of Q Time. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Once again on this episode of Q Time, we have quite the plethora of gadgets for you to purchase today. 
first and foremost being, being the classic exploding bolos, just to fit with the Wild West theme. These bolos, they will whip around somebody's neck and or ankles, causing them to explode instantaneously upon an impact. So not only will you trap the person, you'll kill them immediately. So what purpose do the bolos really serve? None. No purpose. But they're really, <laughs> they really cool. fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, then, if you're setting up a sting operation and you want want somebody to keep an eye on keep an eye out on things while you're out on the town, you know, maybe getting some whoop of your own like Bond. You can have your very own machine gun sombrero man. Looks like a homeless guy sitting on the corner, but in reality, it is a motion activated machine gun. Sombrero man splits open and begins firing at your enemies. If that's not good enough for you, well, ladies and gentlemen, do I have the weapon of the film for you? You for one time and one time only, can get your very own Star Trek face-melting laser gun. Yes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have our first laser gun in James Bond. And yes, it is a face-melter. If you want your enemies to look like the bad guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can for five <laughs> easy payments of $9,999.99. Thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. I'm out. And if you buy all three, we'll even throw in the nifty dart wrist gun. Free of charge. <laughs> yes, free of charge. Free of charge. One time offer. Contact 555-0123. Put in your orders now, ladies and gentlemen. Enter Gadget for a 10% off discount. Enter your code Gadget <laughs> for 10% off your next order. <laughs> oh, my God. All I think right. this is your best Q time yet. I love gadget time so much. I do too. Uh, it's going to be sad when Bond's over and we go to do gadget time and we can't. We'll actually have to find movies like um, Mr. Gadget. I know. Or Inspector we'll Gadget. Do, I'm sorry. Inspector we'll gadget. do the two Inspector Gadget movies just so we can do another gadget time. So then we go meet up with M again. Yes. Yes. Who just happens to be in Rio. Yeah, you take over for a minute. Vacation. I'm going to breathe. <laughs> um. So uh, they meet up with M um, and they have a little brief meeting and essentially they find a secret formula based off of the compound that um, or the little tube that Bond had given to M in Venice. Come to find out it has got a secret formula, which Bond asked to see and somehow, because Bond knows everything, knows it is a formula for a secret plant that has been known to be extinct up until recently, where yes. it was found in, according to Q, location A, but incorrectly because Bond, who actually knows where it was found, because he knows everything, yes, um, mm. explains where it was actually found, which M's like, yeah, you're actually right, Bond. Yep. You outwitted Q. Hmm. He a, wasn't happy on that one. No, he was not. A super rare um, orchid found in the northern Amazon. Okay, cool, because I did not make any note of where it was found. I just remember they kept pointing at the map, and there was like two different locations. Yeah. Uh, but even though Q is outed, he does have what Bond needs to get him there. Yes, a very special gift. Another gadget, which was not <clears throat> in Q time. Yes, okay. yet another gadget, because this, is, this gadget doesn't... D- doesn't have a huge impact in the overall story. It's used no, this for this like one Bond scene vehicle. and this one scene only. Yeah, this was just the Bond vehicle of the movie because it wasn't it was. a car. It was just a jet boat, but yep. customized. It was just a, it was just a super special spy boat. Yeah, and Bond's just wandering his way up the canals of the Amazon. You know, going back and forth, enjoying the scenery, just having a grand old afternoon. Looking at his map, 
And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's attacked by mortar fire. And yet another boat chase ensues. Mm -hmm. Bond's going back and forth. They're going in and out of these little rivers and channels and back and forth, blah, 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 this and that, this and the other thing. Bond proceeds to eject mines from the back of his super awesome spy boat, blowing up the pursuing car. But there are more cars in pursuit at this point. Boats. One of them. Thank you. Boats. <laughs> you said cars twice. I'm like, I think he's just saying that, but I'm like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean it's, because we can't, we're not having a car chase. We didn't have a car chase in this one. We had what a is, boat chase. What we is, had a skydiving chase. And what are boat boats, chase. Jordan, if nothing but water cars? Well, it's true. As much as I agree with you, we do make reference to all the various chase scenes and fight scenes Indeed. that are Indeed. in Bond movies. So I, I want to clarify that this is and not this a is car a chase scene. This is the this second is boat, chase. boat chase scene. Indeed. They decided to stick with water and air themed on this one. So Jaws is in pursuit on one of the following boats. And they're going back and forth. Bond is approaching a waterfall. He notices a waterfall is coming up. And as the last, at the last minute, he ejects the boat via hang glider. Which I thought was kind of funny. Sending his own boat over the cliff with Jaws following in pursuit. Jaws um, also follows his boat off the waterfall. Off the cliff. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> but as we've learned, ja like much like Frank, Jaws will return. Jaws <laughs> always returns. <laughs> It'd be funny if they were the same guy, but they, they're not. I know. Uh, Maybe they're cousins. We don't know. <laughs> Bond lands in the middle of the jungle and follows, out of place for this area of the jungle, a beautiful woman. Who? A if temptress, if you will. Who, if I'm not mistaken, was the girl he met at the Venice uh, glass shop when he first walks in. And oh, the tour guide. No, not the tour guy. The one there was when he first walks in, there was a girl at the desk and said something about, I forget what she says, but it was like, can I offer you something? And Bond's like, that's a pretty good offer. I don't know how oh, I can refuse, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, I'm just here to look around. She's like, well, you can go as you please. And then he starts walking around in the building. Yeah. I'm pretty sure okay. it was the same girl because when the next scene where people start showing up, you, I started recognizing their faces from other scenes in the movie that were only glimpsed yeah, at. Several of them <clears> were the were the girls that were with Drax. And in, in, in yes, like the in, in various yeah. different times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was one of them. Um, then there was two that were introduced to Bond when he first meets Drac in the piano playing room mm -hmm. and all that. Then there was two more that were introduced when he was um, playing Duck Duck or Duck Hunt, or Duck Duck Goose, whatever. You want. I don't know whichever <laughs> game that was. Um, and then there was also a couple of them that I don't know if you noticed, but when Bond's flying over the compound uh, in the very beginning to head to Drax's uh, yeah, to state. Yeah, tra astronaut training one. <clears throat> well, there was a couple of them. They were in yeah. that uh, group of trainings or mm -hmm. trainees yep. that also. So, like, there was a lot that um, little things, which I thought was clever because they don't actually, I mean, Drax introduces, like, two or three of them, but there, it just kind of goes to show you that they were kind of hitting all over the place. in yep. his organization everywhere. So the whole time yep. they were kind of, like, keeping an eye on Bond in a way. Yep. Um, so Bond follows this woman throughout the jungle and he is led to the, to a temple slash lair. Once you get inside, you realize this is absolutely a lair. Yeah. But this is a good lair too. Indeed. It if is. If we had to rank awesome layers, layer. it'd be on the top of the list. Um, but the temple is full of women that all greet Bond and they are beautiful women. Mm -hmm. And as Jordan said, women we've seen in various scenes before. Um, but Bond is tricked, and he falls into the water, uh, a, a water pool in the middle of the room with an anaconda, yes. anaconda in it. 
And this James Bond must have buns because this anaconda, in fact, wants some. Yes. But there's an awesome <laughs> fight scene between Bond and the anaconda. I liked how this was done because it was literally just a rubber snake and he was spinning around in the water with it. But the way he was spinning made it look like he was being wrapped up by the anaconda. Yeah, it so was I actually, actually rather scene. enjoyed that. And I liked um, how he took out the snake with the pen that he confiscated from, uh, from the good CIA head agent. in the, yeah. Uh, the yeah, in, in her suite yeah. or whatever you want to call yeah. it. So Bond kills the snake and swims to the surface where he is met by Jaws. And Jaws proceeds to literally pull Bond out of the water by his face. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just squeezes both sides of Bond's head and lifts him up. Uh, yes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And Drax is also there when he surfaces. They wa- they wander throughout the uh, layer where Drax reveals his plan as moonrakers from their around the globe proceed to launch into mm-hmm. orbit. Bond I'm... asks, why did he steal his own ship? Well, because one of my ships had a flaw in it and I needed to replace it quickly to keep the plan on track. So that's the whole reason this movie began. No one would have been any other wiser had he not stolen his own ship, it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I thought, again, pretty clever on Drax's part. I mean, that was like his one slip up, like, oh, I had to do something. Yeah. So. I couldn't wait to build another ship, despite all my resources. A shuttle, despite all my resources. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Bond proceeds, to, or Jaws proceeds to take Bond away to a room where he is met by Goodhead. So she did survive. She's here as well. Mm-hmm. But, surprise, surprise, in classic villain fashion, they are being kept underneath the rocket so that when it takes off, they will be burned alive. Yes. But while the countdown's going off, Bond uses a nifty detonator on his watch to escape via the air vent. Yet another cool gadget. Yet, a new, yet another. Yeah, the Bond watches, man, for being very standard good. issue things, they're, all, they're always, they're always pretty, pretty nifty in very unique situations. They're only really needed for those situations. Indeed. Um, so they escape via air vent and find their way in some tunnels. Where they, they hitch a ride in some tunnels by hiding through some crates. They realize they're heading the wrong direction and hop off over the inter- over the intercom. We we hear the we hear Moonraker you know Moonraker two you know waiting for waiting for pilots or or whatever moonraker 2 waiting for pilots bond sees this as his opportunity as around the corner there comes a nice little epcot ride car you love those epcot ride cars yeah i know you gotta love them driving down the way with two astronauts waiting for their opportunity to prove themselves ladies and gentlemen i thank you for following us so far in this episode and really being along for this ride um but i'd like to take a brief moment to honor the ones that have fallen before us i.e frank p frank p henchman i think that was what his name was frank p henchman i I already forget (laughs) but frank is back ladies and gentlemen frank is in fact one of these two astronauts after the last film in italy where his, ca- his house was unceremoniously destroyed by Jaws's car being thrown off the side of the road by James Bond himself. Frank sees that he can never really escape this man. He can never escape Bond. Bond will always find him. But, lo and behold, an opportunity presents itself. Frank, retired in Italy, goes to Venice for the weekend and discovers that the Vanini Glass Company 
are hiring. And Frank has been around this business long enough to know that the Vanini Glass is nothing more than a cover for the Drax Corporation. So Frank is back in the industry, ladies and gentlemen. His henchman abilities come back to him in full swing. He works his way through the ranks of Drax Corporation when the, when, until the plan is finally revealed that they're going to space. Frank has a chance to leave this world behind him, leave the horrors of Bond ruining his life every step of the way. He can forget about his wife and his kids leaving him, you know, never to be seen again. He can start anew with the beautiful people of the world. So Frank jumps on this opportunity. He goes through hard, day and night, grueling training, centrifuge, physical fitness test, cosmetic surgery, because after all, he's got to be one of the beautiful people for this plan to work. Drax is only taking the beautiful people to space. Keep that in mind. So he goes through all of this rigorous training, all of this, and the day comes where it's time to launch the plan. It's time for him and the rest of the beautiful people of the world to go into space and leave the rest of us common folk or cretins, if you will, behind, including the infamous James Bond. He will never have to worry about this man again. So Frank gets dressed. He and his pilot partner, they're driving through the tunnels. They're going to Moonraker 2, ready to leave the world behind when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, who but James fucking Bond pulls Frank and his partner out of the car and unceremoniously punches them in the face, knocking them unconscious. Frank never saw it coming. He never had an opportunity. He never even knew Bond was in the country. This was a last minute, mere moments before Frank was on the shuttle, ready to escape to his future, where he's taken out again by James Bond. And yet again, ladies and gentlemen, much like Dr. No, many, many, many movies ago, Dr. No, where Frank was taken out and left naked on an exploding base after his radiation suit was stolen from him, yet again, Frank is left naked in some storage closet where where we've that's off screen. We don't see him get put there, (laughs) but I'm sure he's in some storage closet off screen left naked with him and his buttle buddy huddled together because bond and agent and Dr. Goodhead took their clothing and took their place on the shuttle moonraker Two, leaving for the future. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is the sad, sad tale of Frank the Henchman in Roger Moore's Moonraker. Thank you for joining us for this episode, and uh, we'll see um, how Frank gets out of this one and see if Frank can really ever find everlasting peace like we all hope he does. (laughs) I was going to say, I I was kind of excited hearing that Frank came back into the game, Um, I was, I was really hoping for him. I mean, like, I know he oh, was retired. Absolutely. I know he wanted the life. He wanted to get away from all the bad drama and stuff he's had. I was really excited for this time around because, I mean, he sounded like he had a short win. You know, a, a pilot in a space shuttle to outer space. It was the sure thing. It was the perfect plan. It was the plan that nobody knew existed. 
as yeah. far as as far as Frank knew, they were all they were all under the radar mm. until we all know how it ended. Now he's stuck in a storage <laughs> closet somewhere, which is odd because I didn't see any storage closets in that weird tunnel. I know. I'm pretty, there's got to be a storage closet somewhere, though. There's always a storage somewhere. closet. <laughs> got to be one. Uh, so Bond and Goodhead take all of their clothes, leave them in this odd storage closet that we don't know existed somewhere, and proceed to uh, get on uh, Moonraker, was it five? Two? I forget which one they were. I think Moonraker they were Moonraker two, I think. I no, it was five. Five was the one that they're on later. That was five is. Um, That's right. Okay. Is uh, Drax's. So maybe it's two. It was just one of them. I know that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but they so board they Moonraker. Off. They board the shuttle Moonraker two and take off, heading for a meeting point in the middle of space. They find that all of the ships are headed the same direction. They're all lining up. They're going somewhere very specific. During this little ride, Bond discovers that there are all the beautiful people in the world aboard the shuttle in their in their passenger bay. They find out they're heading to a space station that doesn't appear on any radar. It's completely off the grid. Mm-hmm. And it's Nobody a big that. space station. It's the kind of space station that you would think, based on us being able to see the International Space Station from Earth, that people have seen this thing from Earth. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but then again, we don't have telescopes and we're not looking yet. Uh, this is true. This is true. You don't, you got to know what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, it's just a really big star. Yes. So they're headed towards the space station. And then we have a brief little cut where there's a lot of very expensive space shots of models and, and low gravity and, you know, the effects of moving really slowly to make low gravity, low, low gravity work. Yeah. The guy that originally gets on the space station to kind of engage the space station and yep, yep. get it going while everyone's docking. Absolutely. So once everyone's docked, they all disembark onto their new home. The spe- I'm assuming the space station's called Moonwrecker as well. There seems to be a theme here. Um, yeah. So um, they arrive on the space station, and Drax is making a very impactful speech, speech about how his new race of beautiful people are to repopulate the Earth after all life there is dead, based on the Operation Orchid Bomb, is what I'm going to call it. I like how they... Um like they, they, I think they used the the spaceships as the gravity, which I thought was kind of neat. Uh, however, that works in science, but uh, I like how they show like everyone coming aboard the space station. So it's like all the rockets filled with all the different various people we've seen throughout the movie, including Jaws and Pigtails, because they're mm-hmm. there too. Jaws and his girlfriend Pigtails are among the beautiful people. Um, Jaws being the only one not wearing a spacesuit. Pigtails? Still dressed in his normal. No, I don't think Pigtails, Pigtails was, was wearing. Yeah, she was, was she? wearing the yellow spacesuit. Yeah. Oh yeah. No yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, I don't think they have spacesuits that fit Jaws. No, no, no. That was a. Um, that was definitely a behind the scenes costuming problem. Where they like, they're like, listen, I can make a big shirt to fit this man. I can't make a big spacesuit. <laughs> like. Listen, I know you want Jaws to be in Jaws to be in the yellow spacesuit, but that's just even on a $34 million budget, that is a big man to find clothes for. So, yeah, we're just going to keep him in the t-shirt or the the shirt and slacks that he had in the last movie. We're just going to keep him in that. You get one outfit, one outfit only. Make it count. <laughs> 
It's like it's like the the actor uh, Rich, Richard Keel, I think is his name, the actor that played uh, played Jaws. It's like he had to bring his own clothes to set. You know, <laughs> <clears throat> like he's just wearing what he wears on a Friday. Yeah. Uh. You know, um, but anyway, after the the wonderful speech by Drax. Uh, Bond and Goodhead proceed to make their way towards the radar jamming device so that the station will become visible from Earth and they can send back up. Yes. So they break in. They they are able to destroy the device and it pops up on the U.S.'s radar and they proceed to launch a shuttle to intercept, but not before communicating Russia, who was like, yo, is this you? No, this ain't us. Are you sure it's not you? Yeah, this isn't us. All right, well, we're going to intercept. And Russia's like, yo, you got 12 hours before we take shit into our own hands. Yeah, and so, you are the ones to blame. Yes, if, for like any that. consequences of the actions. Um, but the U.S. sees it and launches their shuttle to intercept. Uh, Bond is po- caught by Jaws after this moment and taken to Drex. Which I thought was kind of funny because they're just like, all right, yeah, we got this. And Jaws was like, yeah, yeah, what's going yeah, on, guys? Yeah. Hey. He just pats him on the shoulder and goes, sup? Yeah. <laughs> uh, throughout this scene we're seeing the various bombs being launched one by one um, the US shuttle is approaching during this time and they lock on a laser to the shuttle to take it out to destroy the US shuttle before it ruins their plan for global beautiful people domination now <laughs> during this um, before we get too far you see they are shipping or they're starting to throw those little drone circles from before with some of the nerve gas. They start launching one here and like one yeah, there. Yeah, I mentioned that. Those are those are what I refer to as the orchid bombs. Oh, okay. I missed that yes. part. Yes. I, I, I wasn't paying attention when you said that. I was like, wait, what? I'm like, okay, whatever. Yes. Uh, okay. So yeah, those little drone things with the poisonous gas. I think that at this point they've launched one or two of them. They've launched two of them. Because I think they only yeah. launched a total of three. Four. During, four. Three. I was going to say, I think it was three three. during this three Um, before everything like, you know, breaks out. Yes. Um, But Bond is Bond is is brought to Jack's Drax. um, (laughs) And there's plans for him to be ejected into the infinite vacuum of space. But Bond says, says a few key lines to Jaws about the beautiful people. And it appears Jaws has a change of heart. He looks at his pigtailed girlfriend, not not being able to imagine a life without her, knowing that he's might be fighting for the wrong guy, has a change of heart, and helps fights alongside Bond. Take out a few, they take out a few henchmen, but they're both caught. And there's like, like instantly twelve dudes with guns on Jaws. You notice that there's like yeah. one guy with a gun on Bond, and like twelve <laughs> dudes have guns on Jaws. It's like listen. Yeah. I know he's the secret agent, but this is the big and vulnerable <laughs> bastard. Let's put guns on him first. Which is funny because out of everything that Jaws has gone through, you would think he wouldn't care. Yeah. You know? Shoot me. I dare you. <laughs> exactly. Like, that was the Jaws I remember from the last movie. This I've been Jaws shot before. Like, so what? <laughs> yeah. Like, this Jaws, you can tell. He found love and he got softer. That's right. That's right. So we cut back to the uh, the U.S. shuttle, and it appears that the uh, the space station is is having their own jetpack troopers leaving. So what does the U.S. shuttle do? They're like, well, listen, open open our cargo bay. We've got our own jetpack troopers. 
So we have jetpack on jetpack troopers de deployed by the U.S. and Drax, and we bes begin an epic space laser battle between the U.S. and the Drax Corporation. Going and back and forth, lasers flying left and right. I didn't realize that the U.S. had a space force in 1979, but apparently it's a thing. It was more of yeah. a thing then than it is now. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny. Their lasers are a little bit different than Q's laser, too, because, like, this battle, people getting hit with lasers, like, almost instantly died versus Q laser, like, it melted their face. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit different, I guess, but... uh. A little bit of a change. This <clears throat> battle was out there. Granted, I get it. I still liked the last battle with the underwater scuba divers. Oh, that was much scene. better, yeah. Uh, this one was yeah, hard I to watch. I mean, this granted, one, I get yeah. it because it was space. It's a new thing mm -hmm. and all that. But it, it was a hard one to watch for me. It was very, it was very gimmicky, man. Yeah, um, this was a low tell. on the movie I for mean, me. you could also tell, like, this is where half the fucking budget went, was, like, this, this scene. Like, this yeah. space finale was where they wanted to spend the money on. And you can definitely tell, but it just didn't work. I mean, it was it was a little bit too gimmicky. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they've got they've got that back and forth space laser battle. The U.S. shuttle proceeds to dock, and gravity is is reengaged on the oh, which sorry, I completely missed a pot. Missed a oh part. yeah, when when Bond when Bond cuts off the gravity, creating the chaos. Yep. Yeah. Um, but anyway, gr gravity is reengaged. Bond, Jaws, and Goodhead and the U.S. troops destroy the command center, taking control of the space station. Bond follows Drax as Drax tries to escape, but Drax turns and pulls a gun on Bond. They have a brief back and forth before Bond uses his patented dart launcher. Which whatever Drax dart he had. With whatever dart he had, which hits Drax and caused Drax to kind of keel over holding himself. Bond makes some nice quip and ejects Drax into the empty vacuum of space. I don't know what he says before kicking Drax out, but I know when Goodhead comes to him, Bond and goes, where's Drax? And he's just like, he had to fly. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember the yeah. quirk afterwards, but I don't remember what he said before yeah. kicking Drax out. Um, the space station is exploding. The U.S. shuttle finally escapes. Bond and Goodhead go to Moonraker 5, which happens to be equipped conveniently. It's the only shuttle that's equipped with an automatic laser so they can destroy the bombs that have already been launched. Meanwhile... Jaws is searching through the wreckage to for his girlfriend pigtail. Girlfriend pigtails. They find each other and they share a glass of champagne while the base continues to explode around them. Jaws says his only lines of either movie, which was here's to you or something like that, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um something like that. But I think he says something else one other time after this. He doesn't talk up until this point, but I think he says something else a little bit later when him and Bond, um, I, I can't remember exactly. I could be wrong. He doesn't, I, I, yeah, he doesn't say anything in that scene. He just kind of shakes his head. Like he's yeah, communicating but it, it was something Bond, like after that, that, I thought he said something. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, I thought there was at some point he said something again because I yeah, thought he I, talked twice. Pretty sure this is his only line. But either way, yep. um, he says that line. And then we cut to Bond and Goodhead who are trying to escape from, you know, leave via Moonraker 5, but the docking's jammed. They can't. They see Jaws and his girlfriend <clears throat> um, on the other side of wherever they are. And Bond asks Jaws to, to, to help him. Jaws agrees. 
helping Bond unjam the docking mechanism. Um, throughout after immediately after this process, he shares a beautiful, loving look with his girlfriend, and you think they're going to die, but the piece of the space station that they're on breaks off and goes plummeting lost. back towards Earth. Bond and Goodhead leave as the rest of the station proceeds to explode. Bond tracking the bombs as they're hurtling towards Earth, locking onto them one by one with the lasers, destroying them until the very last one where the laser jams. It won't work anymore. It's too hot. They've got to go into manual mode. So Bond's lining up targets. He shoots. He misses. It's getting awfully hot in the shuttle. We're going in too steep of an angle into the into the atmosphere. We're going to burn up and we're going to die. And this Bond's going to go off, killing hundreds of thousands of people. Bond lines up another shot. He lines it up. Oh, he misses again. Bond, we're running out of time, man. Listen, I know you're firing a laser for the first time in your career, but it's not that different than a gun. Take your shot and hit your shot. Mm-hmm. Bond lines up for one final time, firing destroying the final orchid bomb before it finishes its entrance into the atmosphere. At command center on Earth, they confirm Q is sitting there and they confirm that Jaws and his girlfriend have survived. Yeah, I, I caught that. I was like, oh, that's good for them. Because I can remember he said a really tall guy and some short girl or something. Yeah, is what some they short said. blonde girl, yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, they made it, cool. Yeah. Uh, command center attempt to call Bond Bond and Goodhead, but they, but they're too busy. They can't get through right now. Yeah, I laughed because it's like, well, soon they'll be in range for video and audio uh, connection or something Indeed. like that. So up in space, Bond and Goodhead are making sexy time, and down on Earth, they re- they get in range and they're broadcasting to both countries, yes, the U.S. To- and England. To like the prime, or was it to like the prime minister and the and White House? Other, and yeah. the White House was like a whole bunch of head people or something like that. Yep, yep. Broadcasting to both countries, and when it comes on screen, oh, they are making the best space whoopee ever, floating in midair, just having a grand old time. A grand old time. And I love, I love how the prime minister is like, "What are you, do- or what is he doing?" And, and Q's Q, response was great. With the final joke of the film. I think he is making re-entry, sir. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's making re-entry. That's right. You heard correctly. And, and the best part is Q wasn't even looking at that screen. He was kind of looking at like another screen off, yep, yep. Like off scene. Um, but Bond sees the camera, proceeds to unplug it, and go back to his making whoopee. Um, roll credits. That's the end of the film. Yeah, because I think Goodhead says, take me around the world one more time or something like that. Yep, and then yep. that's it. Then the credits roll. And then that's it. I mean, that's the end of Moonraker. And then, of course, and I must say it correctly this time, since there's no other like surprise movies thrown into my list here. But uh, James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. Indeed. And that is true this time. <laughs> that is true this time. Yeah, I got confused with doing Moonraker. I'm like, where'd Moonraker come from? It's not on my list. Yeah, that is correct. For Your Eyes Only <laughs> is the next film. <laughs> 
Um, so that's it. That's Bond. That is our highs and lows of Moonraker. Uh, it was a roller coaster through this movie. It, it had its ups. It had its downs. It was overall a good Bond movie, but not one of our favorite best Bond movies, no. in our opinion. No, definitely not. Um, um, but before we get into the ranking system, Eric, I know you have some trivia. You want to roll it real quick? I do. I do. We don't have much this time, but it is time for... Trivia. It's trivia, trivia, <laughs> trivia time. Da, da, da. <laughs> I'm I sorry, wanted, were you like waiting for me to say? It? No, I wanted to give just long enough of, enough of a pause for people listening to think their their audio stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I said. But I'm like, All right, uh, he's. I was like, I knew he's kind of like building the drama. I was like, do I need to say trivia time for him to go? Like, is that his cue word? Or is he just going to suffocate trying to wait? I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Jordan's like, trivia time? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to trivia time for James Bond Moonraker. Uh, not too much trivia in this one. A couple, couple key things I wanted to touch on, though. For the fight between James Bond and Chang, by the way, was the name of the um, um, kendo master Woodstick. Joseph P. Woodstick, <laughs> um, which I like that name much better than Chang. I do too. Uh, this movie, for the scene between them fighting in the glass museum, this movie had the largest amount of breakaway sugar glass used in a single scene ever when this movie <laughs> came out, which you can see why. Yeah. It's like everything of that thing breaks. Um, the cost for this movie was $30 million or well, you know, 30, uh, estimated $34 million, nearly as much as the first eight films combined. The cable that Jaws bit in the cable car scene was actually made of licorice. It's a giant ass piece of licorice. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. now knowing that every time I go back to see this movie again and I see him biting into like now I understand why he, he, bit, he bit into the cable just That's because right. it was made out of licorice it's delicious I don't know why it was supporting a whole cable car if it was made out of licorice I now know why he eats it indeed um, this Bond movie is the highest grossing movie Bond movie uh, up until the release of Goldeneye in 1995 really? sadly this is also Bernard Lee's final appearance as M. Mm. The actor died when, for your eyes only, the next movie was in pre-production, so he had to be recast. Mm. Uh, Jaws, the classic henchman we all know and love, was supposed to be Bond's arch nemesis throughout this entire film until director Lewis Gilbert started paying attention to some of the fan mail he was receiving from children, asking why couldn't Jaws be good instead of bad, thus prompting the change in the character towards the end of the film. Makes more sense now. So children were requesting, they liked Jaws so much, but they would like him more if he was a good guy, not a bad guy. Um, So, next fact this the only time Bond fires a gun in this movie is when he shoots the sniper out of the tree with the hunting rifle during the pheasant hunting scene. Now you mention it, yeah, I don't, he, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't even the, think he like pulls his gun at all. No, no, that's the only time. Which you're right, he never pulls his gun because this is also the only James Bond movie where the signature pistol of Bond it's not is not seen. The PPK or the PP or the P9, PP9. He never huh. pulls out his gun in the entire movie. 
You never see it. Yeah, as I say, I don't ever remember or recall him ever even doing anything with it. Yes. No times with it under the pillow or, or anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, as mentioned earlier, the password notes for entering the lab in Venice are the same contact sounds from Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 1977. Uh, let's see... Uh, in addition to being offered the chance to perform the title song, Frank Sinatra, whoop, excuse me, burp came out of nowhere. Frank Sinatra was also offered the role of Hugo Drax. Um, really? Down. Yeah. So Hugo Drax could have been Frank Sinatra. That would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the only James Bond movie to date to have not one, but two boat chase scenes. <laughs> yes. Like I said, they were heavy on their boat chase scenes, this movie. Um, there's the classic, quote-unquote, bondola, gondola chase, which was coined by Roger Moore on set. He called the gondola the bondola. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, filmed and set in the channels of Venice and Q's hydrofoil boat chase <clears throat> with the um, uh, Glastron speedboat, sp- speedboat with the attached hang glider silt in South America, but filmed in Jupiter, Florida. Hmm. And not much, but that is it for trivia time this week. All right, so we get the trivia out of the way. Now comes the best part: the ranking system of this movie. Now, <clears throat> Eric and I, we both talked about this pre-show, uh, just because there was a couple things we wanted to get out of the way, some clarifications as far as our inputs on the movie. Just because, like we've said throughout this whole movie, it had so many highs and lows that it was yeah. kind of hard to put on our ranking system. So we wanted to kind of get a feel for it uh, before jumping into this. That being said, Eric, you want to start with the movie rankings as of now? Yes. The list as of now is as follows. Number one from Russia with Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number six, Goldfinger. Number seven, Dr. No. Number eight, The Man with the Golden Gun. Number nine, Live and Let Die. Number ten, Diamonds Are Forever. So, <clears throat> the 11th movie in the James Bond franchise, Moonraker. Where are we putting this bad boy? So this movie, as decent as a Bond movie as it could be, because there are no bad Bond movies, was not high on the list for me. Um, The ups and downs and the jumping all over the place took away from some of the the classic Bond movies that that we enjoy uh, to the point where I'd have to put it a little bit lower on the list. I did like certain things about it. There was other things that just made no sense to put in the movie and just could have been done a little differently, in my opinion. Um, and I know we've mentioned them throughout the recordings, like the little uh, comical effects of uh, the, like the glass rooms and little things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I know I'm lower on the list. I'm not sure exactly where because I still enjoyed it better than um, – where was it? Number nine? Was that the one with the Sean Connery in the Sean Connery's space? Diamonds? Diamonds Are Forever is number 10. That's the last one. It was number 10. Okay. Yeah. Number nine was Live and Let Die, which was the, the, the voodoo one with with Kanaga. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed this one a little bit better than that okay. one, too. And then number eight was The Man with the Golden Gun. Now, I enjoyed that one better than this one. 
yeah. So I, I'd be uh, okay with kind of right in that range. You and I are honestly in the same in the same spot on that. Um, I would I would I did like this one more than Live and Let Die. Um, I think Live and Let Die may have had. I think Live and Let Die was probably more stable throughout the whole movie. Yes. But the high highs of this movie were better than the high highs of Live and Let Die, and the low lows of this movie weren't. I mean, weren't as good. But I don't know. I mean, they're very they're 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 neck and neck for me. I could go either way on those two. Um, I but could I agree. Too, but I, I agree. I, I think I'd I do would with put, this one a little bit more. Yeah, I, I do think I had more fun with this one. I mean, Jaws, despite you know the the unnecessary love story story with him, Jaws alone is just such a great character, mm-hmm. and and Drax was a very good bad guy. Yes, which so, I know we'll get into. We'll, we'll get into the, in a minute. The yeah. villain reviews. So I would agree with you. I would put this just under the man with the golden gun at number nine. All right, then I yeah. agree. Nine, yeah. it is. I would agree with you on that one, good sir. So. The new list as of follows is number one from Russia with Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Thunderball. Number five, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number six, Goldfinger. Number seven, Dr. No. Number eight, The Man with the Golden Gun. The new number nine, Moonraker. Number 10, Live and Let Die. And number 11, Diamonds Are Forever. All right. Good old villain list time. So, this is a hard one for us. So, I'll, I'll start with our, our current list. Number one is Goldfinger and Odd Job from Goldfinger. Uh, number two is still number two from Thunderball. Three is uh, Stromberg and Jaws from the, the last movie. Um, number four, Spectre General in Red. Five uh, is Blowfield, Head of Spectre from You Only Live Twice. Then is um, Scaramanga and Knickknack. Um, then you have number seven, Kanaga, Claw, and Baron. And number eight, Dr. No. Nine is Blowfield and Wit and Kid. And then from Diamonds Are Forever. And then ten is Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. <clears throat> starting to become a mouthful, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey, man, we still got like we, I know, so many movies, more. man. So many more. <laughs> So that being said, this movie we have a combo again because it is uh, we talked about it earlier Drax and Jaws combo. Yes, we talked earlier, and we'll um, get into a little bit more. Drax, really good villain in, the, in my opinion, and I think you agreed with me earlier on this movie. Drax is one of those villains that, from the get go, you know he's a villain. He's menacing. He's got a clever plan. Mm-hmm. He's almost seems like he's a step ahead of you the whole way. And he doesn't let anyone stop him. No. Um, or, you know, at least make sure that they can't easily stop him. He puts lots of effects into play to prevent people from easily stopping him. So it's yeah. it's kind of like he's headstrong on destroying the world and recreating it in his image type deal. So definitely props to him, and I feel like he is a strong villain. However, Jaws on this... Um, this movie and this side of Jaws is a different Jaws. And like you said in the trivia, the fact that, you know, the kids wanted him to be a, a friendly character makes more sense. Um, the love story and mm-hmm. the change of heart towards the end. 
although I love Jaws's character, I love the actor who played it, I love his character throughout the whole movie, even with the love story and all that, to me that takes away from his villain points because he, essentially he's not a villain. And he didn't seem as menacing in this movie as he did in the last movie. No. He felt more comical. Um, yeah, and, and the the <clears throat> the scenes that were intending to be intimidating, showing off his, his strengths... Um, ended up being more comical. There, I mean, there's nothing. Nothing would compare to you know the scene last week with the spy who loved me, where of him ripping apart the car. Yeah, know? that that was great, and him being clever with like luring Bond and X into a trap essentially, uh, even though he didn't yeah. you know take him out. But I mean, he was like the Hulk jaws. I mean, like he was menacing he was super strong he was terrifying and in this movie it was just like oh hey yeah we're old acquaintances we try to you know stay away from each other that's about it you know he like bond like knew he was was like oh great this guy yeah instead of like oh no you know it's like and grant bond's not normally terrified so that (laughs) mean that makes sense but he just didn't feel like a bad guy in this movie which upset me a little bit because jaws was a great villain yeah i like seeing the, the different side of him but he was high on my villain list. Um, so, so that where being we, where said, where we put this guy? Well, that being said, I, I'm kind of wanting to put him around like mid, high mid, like in like number five area, maybe. Like I, I, I think. So who 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 you think of putting him above? Who you think of putting him below? So I, I think because I know we we t- he's definitely above. Um, Scaramanga and Knickknack. As much as I love their the combo, to me, like I said before, they are not villains. They're more just like rivals. Yeah. Um, so I don't give them villain credit enough for them to be any higher. Uh, so I definitely think Drax outdoes them in the villain side of things. Um, Blowfield from You Only Live Twice is kind of a tie. And honestly, I would put Drax above... Red from Russia with Love, uh, especially since the general was just on the list, doesn't really put contribute to that list. Um, however, Drax and Jaws um, combo. I, I as much as Drax is a really good villain, Jaws kind of felt kind of took away from the points because he wasn't really a villain. He was like the comical relief yeah. henchman. So I like I'm somewhere in that four to six between Red and Blowfield from uh, You Only Live Twice, uh, as far as my ranking system with the combo. Um, I mean I I could kind of back and forth with Red at number four, <clears throat> but I mean I'm also okay with number five, kind of like in between the two. Yeah, we talked about that talked about talked about that before because I'm at that weird situation with the way we've put the list together. On my yeah, personal your list, personal list is backwards than what it's we have. It's backwards in, uh, than, than than what we would have there. So I I would agree with you. I think number five in between Bluefield and and, and Red is a good is a good spot to put them. Okay. I think that's a nice fair point. Um, so despite our personal lists, the Bond and Review villain list agreed upon by both of us is now one, still Goldfinger and Oddjob. Uh, number two is still number two. Three is still Stromberg and Jaws. The better Jaws, in my opinion. Uh, four is still the Spectre General in red from, from Russia with Love. Five is now Drax and Jaws from the Moonraker. Uh, six is now Blowfield from uh, uh, You Only Live Twice. Then uh, followed by Scaramanga and Knickknack at seven. 
Kanaga Claw and the Baron, uh, number eight from Live and Let Die. Doctor No from number nine. Uh, Blowfield Wit and Kid from Diamonds Are Forever at ten, and then the other Blowfield from On Her Majesty's Secret Service at eleven. Yes. Starting to get a little confusing with the, the multiple <laughs> villains from different movies. We got three Blowfields and two Jawses now. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well I think the next several movies will have more un- will have unique villains again if I remember correctly. So <laughs> at least for a little bit. So <laughs> at least for a little bit. I, I'm uh I, I mean this list is starting to get a little harder, but the the villains in my opinion are kind of going all over the place, which makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um the the fact that we're getting good and bad villains together makes it a little easier. And same thing with the movie. Uh, to be put on that list what i'm honestly curious most to see when most curious to see because like the way we do the list is is definitely different than we would do our our, our personal ranking list mm-hmm. so at the at the end of all this i would be very curious to see where the the friday films ranking stacks up against each of our personal rankings yeah like, that's true you know because like looking at the list now just of the movies like there's a few movies on there like some of them are like in the exact order that I would that that I would have them, mm-hmm. but then there are also some that I would put in very different positions. Yes, just because yeah. of of personal preference. Yeah. So I'm very. We'll have I, to. I we might have there. to go through. Like on the last episode, we might have to go through our personal ranking as compared to the full list. Oh well, I already know. I already know my personal ranking is going to be different than our <laughs> our actual uh, Friday oh, yeah, films absolutely. list because absolutely. especially when we get to the end because I as of now. I'm enjoying all these movies, but I'm still a fan of the Daniel Craig movies just because of the the take of that type of bond. But we'll get into that later on in the the review when we get to his movies, yeah. because I, I have a feeling that that my um, take on his movies might change after I've seen the rest of these movies because it's already shifted some. Yeah. Especially when we go back and um, I, I rewatch all the Brosman movies that I remember growing up on, but don't remember in detail. Um, so I already know my personal list is going to be way different than the Friday films list, but I'm excited to see how much my personal list shifts and changes as we get closer to the end. Cause yep. it's already shifting some, <laughs> it's already where you didn't think it would be. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's very true. It, it is definitely shifted. And once we get to the Craig movies and I rewatch them and get a different, like fresh take from the uh-huh. reviews that we do and look at those movies differently than when I originally watched them. Yeah. I'm curious to see how much they drop on my list because I still enjoy those movies. But now that I'm looking at them in a different rating system, they might not make, make it that high on the list. <laughs> like I think they will now. <laughs> Jordan's like, I can't believe that these movies that I've, that I've watched for the last 10 years and loved might not be as high on the list as some movies that came out in the sixties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that shows you good. And, I mean, that shows you good filmmaking, good, good films, good, good scripts. Film, yeah. Good script, good movie making. Um, you don't like we said before, you don't need a lot of money and big budgets to make a good mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. You just have to have a good story and you have to, um, exactly pretty much play it out in a good way. Um, yep. But that being said, we have our villains and movie listing now, and that is the end of Moonraker. Uh, pretty much, well, I guess that's it. I mean, until we do next week with For Your Eyes Only, Eric, you want to take us through the outro? Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the, this episode of Friday Films Bond and Review featuring Moonraker. As Jordan said, join us next week for 
for your eyes only. Yet another Roger Moore movie. But until then, if you liked what you listened to, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Hoodoo Presents. Best way to get a hold of us. Best way to share your list with you. Share your list with us. Not our list with you. You know what our list is. If you <laughs> want to make some notes and comments, just, that's fine too. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but until next time, Jordan, back to you. All right. All right, guys. So that's it. That is um, Moonraker summed up. And until next time, uh, again, this is Eric and Jordan. And let the credits roll.